Hello everybody, welcome to RPG Cast, episode 284. For the week of October 26, 2013, I'm Chris Privetier here with RP Gamers. Mm, leftovers, really. First off, we have Emmanuel Marino. Leftover nothing. Yeah. John Yearworth. Hey, I don't have leftover food. Mm. And eating leftovers right now, Anna Marie Neufeld. Um, uh, Chris, you've done it again. What? Anna Marie Privetier. Shoot. Thank you. Darn it. <laughs> We've been married for almost five months. <laughs> well, let's not focus on that. Are you, are you or are you not eating, <laughs> eating leftovers? I have no pants on. Huh. Excuse me, everybody. We'll do the podcast next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, no, I can't hear anything. Yeah. So let's uh, let's 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 talk feedback. Um, let's talk what we've been playing. Let's let's just talk. Somebody talk. I want you to play that phone call because it's great. Oh, you want me to play the phone call now? Oh yeah, let's do feedback and okay. then we'll do the playing. Okay, so first off, we got a phone call this week. I have no idea what goes on in it, so I submit it for the audience's um, benefit. See if you can tell me what happens. Hello, RPG Cast. This is Michael, um, and I would like to respond to your question of the week. Um, I personally think that I agree with Michael. Um, not just because he has the greatest name on the cast, but <laughs> because the games haven't felt the same since... Uh, they haven't really felt Final Fantasy since 11's launch, 12 to 13, and then the whole spin-off of the 13 series. And then you have the Crystal stuff, and uh, yeah. And I think that the committee is a good idea, and that that's the solution. But I will talk to you later. All right. I don't know what just happened there. I think his dog started barking at the end. I think. I hope. And then there was. The call was about the, our discussion about Final Fantasy and how does it need to be fixed, and if so, how to fix it, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, okay. Yeah, thank you for calling. That was our first call in months, by the way. If you'd like we, to leave calls, 608-729-4098. Didn't we also have some discussion on it on the forums? Um, yes, we did. Let's go into it. So, first off, Master Chief pined in and said, hey... First question of the week. Honestly, I'm not sure there's any way to fix Final Fantasy. The main problem with the series has been an insistence on putting more, ever more spectacular graphics um, above everything else, to the point where the game worlds have grown smaller and more linear. Not that JRPGs have always been linear, haven't always been linear experiences, but there was always a lot more room to explore and just get lost off the beaten path pre-Final Fantasy X. Modern Final Fantasy games feel like a straight line with little room for the sort of world trekking we used to do on the SNES and PS1. This is also an issue since the series' improving graphical quality has only served to make the silly character designs of Tetsuya Nomura all the more ridiculous. Final Fantasy become the epitome of flash over substance, and the flash is more embarrassing than awesome. It's a fundamental issue of design philosophy, and I don't see it going away any time soon. So, 
that is the uh um well everything that's the doom and gloom outlook thank you master so, G. <laughs> uh what happens if we actually like tetsuya nomura's character designs well, or are we just completely and utterly crazy i don't know i want to see you wear all the belts in real life hey i know some i have a housemate who occasionally does the cross belt thing the what Wearing two belts at once. Ooh. That sounds very hipster. It does work. Hipster? Chris, you don't know what a hipster is. Do you know yeah, what a hipster is? They're walking is? around wearing Final Fantasy double belts. No, they're just wearing double belts. They don't... It's not no, dude, they you think it's no clue. First of all, did people in the 1800s wear double belts? No. Then they're not hipsters. I don't understand. Exactly. Wait. <laughs> hipsters dress up like people in the 1800s? Yeah. Really? I thought I thought That's hipsters. A thing? Dre- I thought hipsters. Are you joking? Is that a people, thing? Ironically, what was that? I thought people dressed up as uh, dressed hipsters dressed up as poor people, but only ironically. That too. <laughs> what is a hipster? That should be next week's question of the week. Oh, let's that song go there. <laughs> Just go watch Portlandia. End of the story. <laughs> End of story. All right. But let it, let me tell you, in that Portlandia sketch, you'll not see one person wearing anything that looks like a weeaboo attire. Well, who said double belts was weeaboo? If you're wearing it because you're inspired by Final Fantasy, that's super weeaboo. So it's more about why you're wearing it than what you're wearing? No! You don't, a hipster would never wear double belts, period, anyway. Oh, okay. Of course. I don't think any of them are. I don't know who would. I don't know. I've seen it, though. It's kind of weird. Unless you're like a cowboy, and the mm. second one's your gun holster. <laughs> oh, is that what's going on there? Hmm. All right. Next entry on the forum says, what is wrong with and how to fix Final Fantasy? So this person has the answer. All right. Well, in order to understand how we can fix the Final Fantasy, this is from NES Nostalgia. In order to understand how we can fix the Final Fantasy series, we must first understand where the series went wrong and where in the series that proverbial wheels began to fall off the wagon. To this end, you must look to the fin- at the Final Fantasy at which the current trend of the series was set and during which the current series' innate focus on graphics was set in a stone and also during which the series began its slow but inevitable decline into irrelevance. Well, that's harsh. The game that best fits this description is Final Fantasy VIII. Um, I fully disagree with this statement, but all right. Final Fantasy VIII focuses on graphics and, and the game's wanting to be a movie and its relative flashy battle animations that took much longer to complete robbed the game of what it could have been. Final Fantasy VIII was also a technical marvel for the time, but it is here that we began to realize just how much focus was put on the graphics, as not only the story, but also the music suffered as a result. It was this focus on realism by Final Fantasy VIII that led to the focus on realism being so prevalent in all subsequent Final Fantasies, excluding whoa, whoa, nine whoa, and eleven. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, realism. Yeah. What? I mean, doesn't Final Fantasy X just strike you as the most realistic game ever? <laughs> also, also, look, regardless of what people may think about the plot of Final Fantasy VIII, you do not smack talk the music. Um, no, I would smack talk the music. It's pretty bad. Oh, no, you don't. I mean, it's got a couple you good sma- tracks. You but... can smack talk that one song that everybody hates, but nothing else. Which one is that? The space station one? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I hated that one. I was thinking of the vocal theme, actually, but... Not Eyes on Me is one of the songs I like out of that game. That I, Which is and funny, because that's Man the one that everyone gun. hates. Nah. And then uh, Fithos Luthes Vekos Venosek is a good song. Um, Pretty sure Chinese people tracks. hate that. Well, Chinese anyway. people love Fei Wong. Do they? Hmm. Well, she's... 
you don't become a Chinese pop star without people loving you and your name in China. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So, in addition to Square's single-minded focus on all things graphical and technological, the main fault in the way the series has been derailed is the absence of the two progenitors of the Final Fantasy series. I don't know if I can agree with this statement. Hironobu Sakaguchi and Nobuo Uematsu. These two men's impact on Final Fantasy is too large to be ignored, as Sakaguchi-san did, in fact, invent the series. It is the lack of the presence of these two men behind the proverbial steering wheel of the Final Fantasy series that has made the series go off track as much as it has. He realizes that Uematsu did eight soundtrack, right? And nines. Yeah, I... Okay. And uh, quite a bit of... Didn't he also do He didn't do all well. of nine, and no, he did very little of tens. But he did a few good. He pieces, did other he did world. A, he did a few good pieces in eleven. Yes, he did. You know, I will say that the vocal theme in ten is so much worse than the one in eight. Um, which, yeah, which one? Ten is not as good. Um, isn't that? Su- oh, Suteki Dono. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I didn't think it was that. bad. I don't think it's that bad either. I'm I'm okay with pretty much all the vocal themes, um, with one exception, um, the death metal chocobo from ten two or thirteen two rather. <laughs> Oh, come on. That that theme was pure cheese. No, it's just awful. I don't even want to listen to it as an ironic thing. All right. As a longtime fan of Robert Jordan, I know what it means for a well-beloved series to be given to a relative outsider and how it feels to be given something different than what was expected. Wow. So he's complaining about um, Brandon Sanderson's wrap-up of the Wheel of Time series? Looks I, thought like pe- it. I thought people were really happy that somebody who knows how to finish a story got hold of the series. <laughs> All right. To be honest, Sakaguchi-san and Uematsu-san are as much a part of the Final Fantasy experience as Cloud, Sephiroth, and Kefka ever were. For example, would the final battle in Final Fantasy VI have been nearly as good without Uematsu-san's dancing mad accompanying the battle? I think not. This is evident in what is shown in an article by Kotaku. Oh, Simon, don't get off the soundboard. Sorry. As an evident, <laughs> sorry, this is evident in what is shown is in, in an article by Kotaku titled "This Generation's Best Final Fantasies Weren't Named Final Fantasy." In this article, Richard Eisenbeis explains that the best two experiences reminiscent of past Final Fantasies were not ten two, twelve, thirteen, or thirteen two, but rather the Last Story and Lost Odyssey. Uh, to this end, The Last Story and Lost Odyssey both, but more so from my experience, The Last Story, focus on the characters and their experiences rather than having to stay within a predefined uh, canon at all times. The Last Story is the Wii one, right? Hello? Anybody? Um, Sorry, I'm just still, I'm just too busy wondering if when Japanese people refer to Americans in Japanese, I know. I, they say Mr. Mr. Privateer. I you know, know they know. say word, 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 Mr. Privateer, Mr. Bush, Mr. That's what I wonder. Um, my question. Americans sure love saying son. Yeah. Um, is the last story the wee one? I don't remember. I think it is. All right. Yeah, the progenitors yeah. of a project are just because I, I have it, but I haven't played it yet. The progenitors of a project are just as much a part of that project's evolution as the canon itself. The last story was set in a rather generic world, but the characters were so impressive and fleshed out, and the relationship between Zale and Callista so interesting and real that it more than made up for the lackluster story elements. This something that Final Fantasy has lacked, arguably since Final Fantasy IX, is a soul, a sense of what the game is to the player and to itself. Graphics do not make all of what a game is. They do not 
not set the limits for what a game can be. Nomura-san, among others, has corrupted what made Final Fantasy good to begin with, its believability. Since these characters are dressed in ways that seem ridiculous and most impractical, it does not lend credence to the fact that these are actual human characters. To close, I draw an example from Xenoblade Chronicles, my personal favorite RPG and game of all time, which also has been nominated for several Best RPG of this Generation awards, to make my point. Xenoblade's graphics are nothing special. In fact, they are not among the best in the Wii, and are not technically marvelous. However, there is something underneath that 480p skin that is more important than the graphics could ever be. Soul. Xenoblade's soul is in its music, its characters, its world, its plot, and its art direction, something that Final Fantasy has not had since Umatsu-san and Sakaguchi-san sought employment elsewhere. Um, Mr. Miyamoto-san, can I uh, can I yeah. just sh- can I shotgun this statement a few times? Go for it. Okay. Um, you know Hironobu Sakaguchi. Guess what he was produce executive producer on. What? Oh, sorry, producer. What? Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah. Guess what he was executive producer on. Final Fantasy Ten. Oh. Guess guess who came up with the idea for Final Fantasy Eleven? Hironobu Sakaguchi. <laughs> I guess it also, also came up with uh, the spirits within, if you want to talk about spirit yeah. and soul. I mean, yeah, I mean, also the thing about, um, you know, like, say, influential people. Um, what's his name? Hiromichi Tanaka, um, the guy responsible for driving the original version of Final Fantasy XIV into the ground, was also the one responsible for coming up with the absolutely amazing battle system in Chrono Trigger. You know? Yeah. It's like... <clears throat> Just because someone is amazingly good at doing something, it does not necessarily mean that they'll maintain quality throughout their entire careers. I mean, look at what people say about Hideo Kojima. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, um, what, what, why don't we like Kojima? I like Final... I like Metal Gear I 5. I was talking... I was gen- Well, no, I was just generally talking about the very variable reactions people had to, say, Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 4. Mm. Four more than two. But I think still think the main character changed into pissed off a lot of people. I liked four. It yeah, everything hot garbage. <laughs> Some of the worst garbage ever committed to a disc. Did you finish it? Yeah, I did. I oh. think I hate it. But also, but also <laughs> the statement about sorry, Manny. The statement about characters being believable and realistic. Um, were they in the original Final Fantasies? I mean, really? Um, I think, you think he's talking about. I'm just curious. Do you think he's talking about just art style and that they're proportioned? And everything looks like more photorealistic than it did in the past. Um, well, no, I mean he's making statements about the dress leading, lending credence to you believing that they are real humans, right? So he believes that the characters come across as real human representations that you can connect with and identify with. Um, and I certainly feel that that's done pretty well in Final Fantasy VI, for example, for as much as it can be done in a Super Nintendo game. Um, so the question is: Is it done poorly in later games like ten and thirteen? Do you not identify with these people as actual people, or do they do just feel fake? They felt they felt more like people to me just because they look more like people. So that helped <laughs> it for you, okay? Hmm. See, I just you it's know just, when it as, you know, the, as like the series has gotten world. see as the series has gotten older for me, it's felt more less like um, a story with actual characters and more like kind of generic anime motivations where people you know are motivated by internal struggles and don't share things with others, even though that would probably help resolve a lot of the plot lines really early in the story if they just open up and talk to each other. So, I don't know. Hmm. Hey, but you have to admit, I mean, you have to remember what it's designed. If, if those, you said, like, generic enemy storylines, but mm-hmm. that wouldn't be the same old storyline unless the audience in Japan liked, liked it or at least wanted to see it or was comfortable mm. with it. Well, I mean... You know? 
I, I don't know if I like that argument because who cares if the audience in Japan liked it? We're talking about what we like, aren't we? But, uh, the, but, it's, but come on. You think they're designing with North America in mind first? I mean, no, they're designing but, from their experiences. No, but we're talking about what... Some... I think we're talking about, though, why we don't like it as much as we used to or why there's that feeling that Westerners don't like it as much as they used to. And if that is oh, just uh, simply because boy, they're... If that's they're... the conversation, that's a different conversation altogether than the one we've been having. Why? I just don't know how we can have the conversation from a Japanese perspective because we're not Japanese. But, but we were always having it from a Japanese perspective. It was always, why, how can you fix it? And you, you have to understand, and we, this whole time we've been discussing where they're coming from, why it failed, because this guy wasn't in charge of this thing. Hmm. But if you're just asking why Americans don't like it as much anymore, that's a different conversation into uh, the, develop, the rise of, well, how about... the. PC games that used to be a PC exclusive coming over to consoles and more games with more choice and freedom more like Skyrim and, and Oblivion and Mass Effect hitting big and just gamers having more options that maybe appealed then to them more both culturally, you know, uh, cinematically, action-wise, is more widely available to them. I mean, I think there's more going on than just Americans don't like Final Fantasy like they used to. I think it's a whole new audience embracing all new kinds of RPGs that were never available to them before because they weren't PC gamers or console gaming wasn't as gigantic as it was before. Just I think there's a whole host of reasons. I just I don't know, I just think the era of like the idea that all the best games come from Japan died a long time ago. <sighs> I, I I think they're two different conversations. Mm-hmm. I mean why we why we don't appeal to like I mean it's, it's sort of like Monster Hunter is a gigantic hit in in Japan and I always hear this weird argument like why don't they fix Monster Hunter to be better and more appeal to us well because why should they <laughs> I, I mean Monster Hunter is selling, selling like gangbusters so everyone's trying to emulate Monster Hunter I mean does it really matter if it doesn't hit big here if it's still hitting big there uh, it does when the potential sales here are so much more so much more, but then they but would change the so because of the cultural attitudes. Like you've played Monster Hunter with Japanese. No, Anna, you're ignoring the. Yes, I understand that Monster Hunter, as it is, is not going to sell like it does in Japan. But Monster Hunter slightly altered to be a big hit here to the point where it's a gigantic seller. Uh, there's, there's. You think an, that would be gangbusters? There is a motivation to take something that's a hit in one country and say, well, how can we capitalize this in our other territories where we have more potential customers? And, yeah, and that's, wonder, that's what they're looking and at I it think, from. Yeah, right. And I think the dilemma is is that the Japanese studio isn't interested in doing that because that would mean developing games right. for outside of Japan. And anybody mm-hmm. who tries it outside of Japan is going to get mocked for trying to make a faux Japanese game. And yet Capcom of America still is going to look at it and say, okay, what can we do to capitalize on this resource we have and see but, if we can make but, profit, right? But, it's, <laughs> but it sounds like an obvious thing, but it's, that's, it's a subtle kind of difficult thing. Like if you change it too much... Yeah. Do you kill the magic? Of course, that you do. Yeah, I mean, and that's why they don't change it. I, I, I think you're right as to why they don't change it. I was just talking about why they try to, why they have a motivation to mess with it, maybe. So, but you know, the funny thing is, if you say how to fix Final Fantasy, what appeals more here? I mean, do, I mean, I think we're in the same kind of boat here. Do you? What do you change about it to to make Westerners care more, or will they ever? I mean, has that? I don't just think without. I don't think without the Western interest in Final Fantasy that they can keep up the budget for these games like they're doing. And if they, just, I think, but keeps the falling off, that they're going to have to start so- scaling back. 
but the design philosophies are just so different between what a, a new Final Fantasy is versus what a new Skyrim or what a new Mass Effect game is. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, do you think Western audiences still even really want that? Well, uh, well or is it a specific subset or sub- subculture? Well, this is where it becomes a more generic discussion of. Is the design philosophy of a new Final Fantasy similar to the design philosophy of an old Final Fantasy? No. We know that. Just reading articles from people that have left Square Enix that worked on like 4, 5, and 6. And so we have these ideas. Yeah, so so things are a little different because maybe they're doing things that would appeal more to a Japanese audience. But at the same time, um, is that causing... um, a lot of fallout and an impact on sales there too. I don't know that we can really address that though. Hmm. Hmm. I wish we had someone who had like more of a Japanese view and yeah. was like, I actually knew it was on Japanese television yeah. and what was going on in Japanese film at the same time. And they could be like, no, this is totally where uh, popular media for young adults is right now. Hmm. Maybe someday but, we'll get Gaijin on. I would love to hear that. Cause he, you know, he has access to, I mean, I think it's more subtle things than just gaming. I think, you know, people, are always influenced by what's going on around them, what's on popular television, what's the... Like, we were seeing, like, games now being designed with, like, darker fantasy because Game of Thrones is a huge hit here. Or more, like, dark stuff dealing with, like, adult themes because Breaking Bad is such... You know, that stuff is making its way into gaming here on this end. So I'm sure there's a whole host of things. Books, movies, television, comics, politics, just where people are in their age span. Because, you know, some of these developers... Sort of like Spielberg. We know Spielberg used to design movies with a, with a lot more edge when he was younger, and now it's like now that he's like getting older, maybe can become a grandpa soon. He's just he's making different, very different movies than he was as a younger man. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember, it's been twenty years. Maybe this Sakaguchi just is interested in telling different stories as like an older father. And yet, well, I mean, the letter writer or the uh, forum writer here says that Sakaguchi's stories are actually attaining to that older appeal of Final Fantasy, though. So, so he's getting more nostalgic the older he gets. I, I don't know, but whatever it is, he's saying that Sakaguchi is still putting out those the stories the way they should be. Mm. And then Quinn points out that Sakaguchi didn't always put out good. Well, whatever. Um, I, I think I think when Final Fantasy was on top of the world, mm-hmm. when the PlayStation was the number one console before the in North America and and Europe and everywhere before the Xbox hit big, I think maybe he had aspirations. Of being being more than just a video game. What I think that's why they did the spirits within, right? Right. I, I know how to tell a cinematic story. I I know good storytelling. I know good art design. I'm gonna do something big with that. Yeah, he wasn't right. It's interesting. I mean, I, you're right. there are so many angles to come at this from. <clears throat> I don't think we even understand half of them. I just want to say that Final Fantasy VII is where that turn happened, not Final Fantasy VIII. So I disagree with the whole premise of this of this post by saying that it's Final Fantasy VIII when they started taking a turn for the worst. I think all those things he claims that eight did, I think seven actually started. But, and uh, the funny thing is you can see it in the development of seven as the art style shifts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> you can see it in seven itself where you have like seven different character models or whatever. All right. Whatever. Uh, let's move on. Thank you very much. That was a great topic. I wish we had more participation, but um, we'll have to come back to that sometime with some more uh, after like 13.2 comes out or 13.3 or whatever. Strawberry Eggs writes in and talks to us a little bit more about the Pokemon patching and says this isn't the first time Nintendo fixed a bug in a Pokemon game. Ruby and Sapphire had a glitch related to the clock that eventually prevented berries from growing. 
Nintendo yeah, patched... Yeah, it, it was literally a Y2K glitch. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. They patched the carts via GameStop and other stores where people could go and connect their games to a GameCube, at least I think it was a GameCube, with a special demo disc. The disc even gave out a shiny zigzagoon holding a rare lychee berry. The patch was also available through Fire Red and Leaf Green, requires a second GBA, Pokemon Coliseum, Pokemon XD, Pokemon Channel, and Pokemon Box Ruby and Sapphire. You could even just send the games to Nintendo. I don't remember any of this. I do. So, like, you could hook it up to Pokemon XD and patch your game somehow? Mm-hmm. To the Game Boy Player. To the Game Boy Player. Huh. Or the, the Game Boy <clears throat> Link Cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. The Link Cable. Well, that's cool. Um, Pokemon... And since I was, like, one of the only people in existence that owned Link Cables because I played, like, Four Swords Adventures with people mm-hmm. and Bucket Party. Yeah. What is a bucket party? You mean the final, uh, the Crystal Chronicles? Crystal Chronicles, yeah. So I don't remember what Pokemon Channel was, but all right. Anyway, it was Japanese only because Ruby and Sapphire Box were definitely Japanese only. Ah, all right. Shaman says also the worldwide release means they didn't have a chance to have Japan beat it to a pulp to find glitches. There's an infamous glitch in the fourth generation DS games. Still talk about Pokemon that actually could lead to event Pokemon locations that got patched in localization. I don't know what he's saying. Uh, basically, it was a way you could effectively walk out of the world into locations where you could find event Pokemon without the items oh. needed to get there. <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> How did they find that? And let's not get into the cluster that is RBY. I swear you could make the game collapse by removing a, a single line oh. of code. Yeah, um, the, the original red-blue uh, games were amazingly buggy. Like, really, really, really buggy. Is it that just the whole missing no thing? Yeah, the, mis- the, the yeah, missing Bubble no Yeah, Bubblepedia has something like 22 glitches for Generation 1. Ah. Um, the missing no glitch was obviously the most well-known one because it had a very beneficial effect, the increasing of uh, uh, whatever item was in your sixth slot, it would get, if your inventory would get increased to 127. Hey, Master Ball. Yeah, which was usually done with either rare candies or masterballs. Um, the only downside is is that certain other things flipped in the uh, game's code would cause the Hall of Fame data to become corrupted. Ooh, which is usually the way you, it's, it's the way you could tell if a game had seen missing that or not was if you then went to the Hall of Data computer and it was all buggered. Mm. That means at some point you'd encountered missing there. Um, a few years later, um, I think it took good six seven years um people found a way to manipulate um red and blue's very buggy code that would call that would eventually generate a mew that could be caught legitimately oh nice um mostly just by modification of how the game stored and recalled uh data Hmm. yeah it was literally changing a zero x integer to a zero y integer Uh, all right. So let's see. Next letter here comes from James, who says, let's get this out of the way. Thank you for being the highlight of my Saturday nights. As I work an 11-hour overnight shift in the bar nightclub industry, your podcast is one of the few things I hear on Saturday nights that isn't drunken talking. Now on to the feedback. To answer the Aww, question... thank posed- you, Jamie. Yes, thank you, James. Um, so to answer the question... Jamie? Did I misread that? No, it was James. Like, Oops. Jamie. 
because I'm cutesy. Oh. To answer the question posed on the podcast, one of the hardest parts of identifying which part of the Final Fantasy series you'd want to emulate, excuse me, you'd want to emulate. Um, I'm assuming what they want is a return to PS1 and 2 era emulate, um, levels of success that the Final Fantasy games enjoyed, which in some ways um, is at odds with various groups in the fan base. You have some that hold the SNES era games as the best, and some who pick a favorite PS1 era one, and others who prefer either 10 or 12. If you want them to be the big budget games of the PS1 and 2 era, congrats. You're still kind of getting those. It may not be exactly what you wanted, but the overdone lavish spectacle of the latter-day Final Fantasy is still there. 13 was exceedingly pretty, if nothing else. On the other hand, if you're wanting to return to the somewhat deeper storylines of the SNES era, I don't know if staying on the home consoles is, is your best bet. It might be time to move to handhelds. What I'd like to see is a Final Fantasy IV complete collection-style rebuild of 5 and 6 for anything, really. Um, yes! 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 He says, yes, even mobile. Uh, though my mo- though most mobile ports of console releases tend to leave me cold due to my hands being much larger than the touch screen allows for. I think chasing exceedingly pretty graphics forever is probably not the way to go. It might also just be time to put the series out to pasture for a few years. It's had a good run. Now I have a few questions of my own. I used to visit a lot more video game sites a few years back, but have mostly stopped as most games journalism has seemed to thrive on controversy equals clicks. And the comment sections um, have become like the monkey house with everyone flinging poo at each other. Uh, one of the other podcasts I listened to, uh, this one about anime even said, for all of anime fandom's dysfunction, at least they're not gamers. Recently, I had to talk a friend out of visiting certain sites and their comment sections for the sake of his enjoyment of the hobby. I kind of have to wonder what brought gaming fandom to this point. <laughs> well, well, thank you for one of the most reasonable and well thought out messages you've got in a while. Just very even-handed. Yes. Um, I think... As someone who's been part of gaming communities and a community manager, volunteer GM, et cetera, et cetera, for like a decade at this point, um, there has always been poisonous aspects in the community. But as gaming grows broadly, but not deeply, we see a bigger... I mean, if 5% of the people who comment are going to be douchebags, if you have... 10 people commenting, that's one person. If you have 100 people commenting, that's more. If you have a million people commenting, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. So I don't think that communities are growing more poisonous. I think that they're staying status quo and more people are coming. However, I totally agree. Don't read the comments. Yeah, Except I, I think I, it's also- I, I have to for my job, but other than that, I don't read the comments. Um, like, yeah, I think a lot... I think a lot of it's entitlement too. Just I paid for this sixty dollars. Why is it not exactly what I wanted? And a lot of it's also like validation too. I could only pick one console, so I need to make sure that the one I picked is clearly the best one than the other one. Or no. like I I bought this game. How dare you not tell me that it's the best game ever? Yeah, I think there's a bigger pool of people that need self-validation, and that may be causing some poison. You know, th- there's a good talk on this that Patrick Klepek just did. Um, if you search for Patrick Klepek, uh TEDx talk, he talks about this issue of the comments and how vitriolic it gets, and and maybe we're. I need to send it. that guy an email. I, I stopped listening to his podcast because before he starts every sentence, he goes. <laughs> 
Okay. Have you noticed? No. Drives me insane. Uh, well, listen to his TEDx talk. He doesn't do it there. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, um, and it brings up a point where you know you can you can you can shut down the idea of the comments, um, but then you really lose a lot of the value of the internet, which is this back and forth, this discourse, this this ability for people to do things that are actually good towards each other. And I just don't know that the answer is killing comments necessarily, but um, perhaps we need to start, and how do we do this? Starting a movement of, of raising the level of discourse, and I know that's kind of a cliche phrase, but the the idea is good. Um, I mean, I think some of that could be accomplished by websites that have vitriolic um, communities like, I don't know, IGN actually hiring some moderators. You think? Yeah. How long did some of those comments about the girl who was transgender and wrote the GTA Five review sit there? Two days. Um, it was ugly. Well, well that was Gamespot. That Sorry, was whatever. Yeah, and Patrick yeah, actually talks about bad, that. Though. Patrick talks about that in his talk, talk actually. So it's ironic that you bring that up. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right, uh, how did we get here? Um, yeah, how do we get away from it? Is the question I think. Okay, I think here's a good closing closing thought. Websites that have vitriolic communities need to get on top of it and get rid of it. And if that involves spending money, then they need to think about whether that's a cost efficient for them. Okay. Hmm. And advice from us to you: you don't need anyone to tell you whether you made a good or bad choice. If you enjoy your game, enjoy it. That should be all the satisfaction you need. So it hmm. So maybe it stemmed from an issue with self-esteem, is what you're saying? Well, look how many people get angry at reviews. How dare you review a game that I've been looking forward to that I hadn't even played yet as a nine? It's clearly a ten. I hope. Already pre-ordered. By the way, do you know how much hate mail we get when we don't give a Zelda game five out of five? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, did you notice the hypocrisy in the uh, anime person's comment? At least they're not gamers, <laughs> which is being as vitriolic about gamers. No, no, anyway. All right. So to end this on a more positive note, he says, do any of you have any favorite gaming with the family memories? For me, it was the number of games that I played to completion with my parents. It started with Dragon Warrior, free with a Nintendo Power subscription, and Simon's Quest. The last two games I remember us beating as a family were Final Fantasy 2 and 4 and, and Chrono Trigger. Even now, my parents still game. Hmm. So for me, I remember um, we used to play, like, way back in the NES days is when my parents used to play games. Um, and Dad was into Zelda and Tetris, and Mom really liked Dr. Mario. So that was fun. Um, and they were they were really good at it then because I was really young and not very good at it. So I remember losing a lot. Now I would not lose so much. Um, what about you, Anna? Did your parents ever touch a game? <laughs> No. <laughs> um, I think my favorite gaming moment was playing Wii Bowling at our wedding with my mom. <laughs> nice. Took, you know, only took 30 years oh to get her into gaming. <laughs> and other than that, um, when I was really little, I remember like, I, one of the first memories I remember is sitting in my granddad's lap playing with a controller, like playing the television. So maybe not my parents, but definitely my granddad. 
Uh, John, you have any gaming family moments? Ha, no. No. Uh, Manny? Ha, no. Wow. Jeez. I'm sorry. That's that's depressing now. No, 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 no. That's like saying I'm sorry you don't have a brother. Just that's just an exp- right, <laughs> as an yeah. yeah, someone who doesn't have a brother. Oh, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I just never had a brother. All right. Hey, RPG Cast crew, I love last week's episode. This is Francesco. Um, my favorite two parts were Anna's Warcraft slash Pokemon slash Game Facts dream and the Chris versus Michael Final Fantasy argument. I loved how Chris called Michael out for implying that sprite use was an example of fan service. Anyway, this week I've been playing Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Thus far, I'm enjoying the game, but audio issues with the quest dialogue is killing my immersion. Every time I talk to a character, the character sounds like they're speaking to me 50 yards away in a canyon, even though I'm standing about six inches from them. Since I'm playing the PS3 version, I can't correct the audio settings with a patch or adjust it with the in-game audio features. Has something like this ever happened to you? One relatively small error or glitch in the game ruins your positive experience of a game? Hmm... We have that issue with Lego City Undercover. Well, that yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like a bug where it thinks you have a surround sound center speaker, and you don't. So you might there might be, um, at the PS3 level, you might want to turn off the support for surround sound, and then go back into the game with just stereo sound enabled on your PS3, and see if that makes a difference. Um, yeah, it could be, or it could be like stereo settings within the game itself, too. Yeah, though they, they implied that they didn't have any. But yeah, see if that's an option. If, just kill surround sound entirely and see if that makes a difference. Then you know you're on the right track. And you might be able to get it back, but at the very least, you'll be able to hear people, hopefully. Oh, and also, you're not crazy, man. I mean, the, the thing is, it takes you out of the experience and it's distracting. And you're thinking more about the bug than you are about the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, oh, I, I, I know I had this and it was annoying. Hey, oh. For me, it's just like that podcast. I like bomb in the am except every time I, my headphones are usually turned up a little high so every time i hear the it pierces my ear and i just Ooh. can't i only ever oh. think about is is he gonna do it again you is need to you again? need to adjust the equalizer settings on your player oh and- but i have to turn it down so much no i'm not f you i'm not messing with anything to listen to your thing when i don't have to do it for anybody else just stop into the damn thing <laughs> all right all right you should just send him an email you probably would respond. Um, <laughs> the other, the other one that I can think of is um, I, I may be misremembering the name. I think it was Black Sigil. It was a DS game. Mm-hmm. Jooms loaned it to me, and the problem was is that it had like horrific crash bugs in it. So you basically had you basically had to fight and then save and then walk three or four steps and then save because there was no guaranteeing inside of a cave or anywhere else really that it wouldn't just randomly crash. Yes. That's a big one. That's huge. I stopped playing the Hulk because of that because I kept getting those disc errors I talked about during the summer where I was – it was always a gamble. I was thinking more about, okay, when can I save next? When can, will, I, will I be able to beat this mission and save? Will I be able to beat this mission and save? And when you're thinking more about that than the game, why even bother playing? Hmm. Totally, and I get you. You're not crazy. So what else? Oh, we should move on to what we've been playing I think. So I'm going to start off and tell you that um, I've been, what have I been doing? I've been hauling away away on Phoenix Wright 4, um, and now I just got into Candy Box 2. Candy Box 2 came out. That's right, the the candy collecting gamey thing. It's Candy Box 2 came out, and now I can't stop playing it. So that's all I got. It's been a busy week with work, so I didn't get to play a lot of games. 
Anna, you've been playing Candy Box 2. Do you like the new features of Candy Box 2? Yes. Okay, well. You know, I wonder <laughs> if people listen to this podcast think one of the tiny features they can't get over is the fact, or one of the tiny bugs they can't get over is the fact that we talk about so many mobile games. This isn't mobile. Candy Box 2 is a browser game. <laughs> so much better. It's written in HTML5. So much better. Mm-hmm. Dude, candybox2.net. Go play it now and, and just come back in an hour or two and then be like, all right, I'm letting my lollipops grow and I'll be back later. So, uh, <laughs> all right, forget it. Anna, what else you play? You did something interesting, right? I have a lolligator. <laughs> a what, lola, lola? A lolligator. Okay. You can get lolligators in the game. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Speaking of mobile games, I've been playing Pixel People because they have a Halloween update where, like, once an hour for 10 minutes, your city is cloaked in darkness. And during that time, you can collect candy and pieces of the abomination. And then once you have the abomination, you can splice genes that you can only splice under the cover of darkness. What is this? That's cool. Pixel People. Oh, okay. So, yeah, once an hour for 10 minutes, game mechanics completely change. It's really nifty. And then, of course, uh, a little bit of Pokemon XY. I'm up to 315 in my Pokedex, but Ooh. I had to take a break because I'm playing Hometown Story. Yes. Ooh. The Natsume game that everyone's been <laughs> anticipating came out. So, yeah, it came out. And it's like, a, it's like it. a lemonade stand for this generation's young women. Um, yes and no. I mean, running the shop is a big aspect of it. But um, socializing and doing, you know, growing all the characters and having more people move into the town is definitely like a huge, huge focus. It's very, very social oriented. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is if I call it a social game that has a completely different meaning than it did five years ago. It's a social game in the same way that Harvest Moon is a social game in that you need to develop social relationships with the people in town. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but there's a bachelorette named Anna in it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm almost all the way through the second month. I have um, the second shop expansion. I have like 15 new people that moved in out of I think uh, I don't remember I don't want to spoil it either so and Ember came Ember the dragon is like the iconic plushie that comes with the game so yay Mm. and beyond that um, yeah that's pretty much it okay Um, Manny what you been playing not much been still playing GTA 5 at all yeah, but you know, do you want to hear that every week? Well, uh, I, I shot a cop in the face. I, are you playing online at all, or just still the single player? Uh, no, this thing is still buggy. Have you heard they pushed out those, uh, you heard about the stimulus package, right? Uh, I thought they were waiting to do it until all the bugs were fixed. Yeah, so they got pushed back like several, a week. Well, are they ever going to fix all the bugs? <laughs> it's, it's like Eventually, really right? Pushed out um, infinitely, right? <laughs> well, look. Well, it's gonna ha- it's gonna happen eventually. All Until right. then. Hmm. Until then. All right, uh, John. Have you been playing anything? Yeah. So while I'm waiting for um, Final Fantasy fourteen patch two point one to come out, um, I decided to go and see what patch five point four did to World of Warcraft. Ah, it did some um, things. It did some things. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I'm actually, I actually quite enjoy Timeless Isle. Isn't it, it cool? Is. Yeah. Oh, do you know what the best part is, though? No. I got Huolon's uh, mount drop. Ooh. The Thundering Onyx Cloud Good job. Nice. Yeah, I got it on, like, the fifth kill or something. Oh, I didn't mention, I did play a little WoW this week, and you know what I got? The Reigns of what? the Raven Lord. Finally. Oh, finally. Yeah, after forever of trying. So yeah, I've I've been trying to get I've been trying to get uh, Rave, the Raven Lord ever since Cataclysm came out, and mm. well, I just thought oh, I got something shinier now. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah, although the only downside is, of course, is you can't use it anywhere that flying mounts are forbidden. Because mm. it's yeah, the cloud serpents don't have a ground animation. Yeah, they do. But oh, I like the just... cloud serpents; they're cool. Yeah, oh, Quinn, they I looked up the thundering onyx. That's a pretty cool Chinese dragon. You just flying around yeah. with that now? Yeah. It's just, it's a particular, it's just the, the color and the effect and the fact that it's a rare drop. Like, like most mount drops, it's rare. And, but I got it. I'm happy. Good job. Um, so been, what I, I'm curious. What I, oh, go right ahead. I was going to say, what I was surprised at is because of um, how the Timeless Isle handles item drops was how quickly it was to gear up from where I was, which was a character with mostly blues, to something that I could do um, the early LFR raids with. Yeah, it's it's insanely fast. It's totally yeah. meant to be a quick gear up place. Yeah, so I was sitting on a like an average item level of I was below four fifty, I think, or just I was on four fifty, which I think was the minimum needed for heroics. I think, mm-hmm. and I'm on four eight nine at the moment, yeah. and I think Ogrimmar requires what four nine six. Yeah, you'll be there soon. Yeah, well, I have a ch- I got a chess piece from Throne of Thunder last night, um, which was five oh two. So I've upgraded it to five oh six, and I'll upgrade it to five ten later, mm-hmm. which might push me up. I still have a the I still have one. Hang on, let me just check my character here. Do I still have a blue left somewhere? I don't know if I agree with using upgrades, but um, yeah. Uh, no, I'm just I, buying I, more gear. But, I've just yeah. excised all. I managed to excise all the blues from my gear, but I still Good have job. a green. I, managed, I still have a green trinket, which is annoying. <laughs> Always that one thing, that green that trinket. One thing, yes, that one thing that you need. <laughs> You'll get. That. I had like a crap trinket for so long, J- uh, John. Honestly, instead of spending the money to upgrade that five hundred two, save it up and buy a new trinket. Uh, yeah, yeah, but the thing is, is in order to get a trinket, I need timeless coins. Whereas the upgrade, for no, the no, with justice point or valor points, right? Uh, yeah, I don't have the rep for most of them. Mm. Most of them are tied to rep rewards. I might as well just save up fifty thousand timeless coins and get the really good one. Ah, uh, okay. From timeless isle, okay, and right. then use and then use two hundred and fifty thousand. Ju- Manny has no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> no, I was going to say a little bit more high level. I'm just wondering, is this the is this the patch where you where What's his name? Garrosh. Garrosh Hellscream. Yeah, he's a bad finally, guy. Yep. Finally dies, yes. <gasps> he dies at the end of it. Well, that's what um, happens usually when you beat a boss. Guys, I'm pretty well, sure the rep restriction was removed on the Valor stuff. Hey, good. Oh, was it? Oh, I should probably check that. You should like go I, said, I didn't shopping. know if they killed him off. If, for all I knew, they, they captured him and they put him on trial. <laughs> Why not? Come on. I think that would be interesting. Honestly, well, it would be, but they would be if they didn't spend so much time making you hate him. You know, that's like, why the trial would be so controversial. There'd be uh, like faction loyalists in the next patch. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're overestimating WoW's writers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the time asylum is interesting because um, basically what it does is um, it, rather than being just just what I call just another daily quest hub, 
because Blizzard, my God, do Blizzard love those? Yeah. Um, it mean what they all they did was just basically created an island, filled it full of rare stuff, and then turned off that restriction that says that the first person who attacks a creature is the only person who is entitled to drops from it, unless it's a world boss. Um, so that basically, whenever any rare creature spawns, you can mob it without having to be in a group, um, and you will still get some sort of reward from it. And basically, and then, it's loot pinata the island. Yeah, know? and then basically the 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 purple items that drop um, are basically like loot crates, which specifically then uncrate into something that is actually will always be useful to you. Yeah, like, they did some they smart will, things. They 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 basically they they sync up to your whatever specialization or in uh, yeah whatever spec you are at the time, and will stack themselves accordingly. So if I'm in uh, my usual, which is Enhancement Shaman, any male item I get will always have agility on it. If, but if I switched over to uh, Elemental or Restoration, it would uh, be Intellect instead. It would be the same item, but with different stats. Which I think is just saves... It saves time. Uh, the problem, the the only problem is, is you still do get um, item pickups for uh, armor classes which you don't wear. Like uh, my inventory, I have like cloth ones and stuff. So I Ew. don't need that. Yeah. But because they're ba- they're bound to a, bind to a, all bind to account. Um, most of the time, I've actually just sent them to other characters which might be level ninety at some point, so those characters can use them and gear up qu- really quickly. So the moral of the story is, if you want to experience the endgame raid content, it is now easier than ever to gear your character up. Or if you have lots of alts to gear up, they've made that super simple now, too. So instead of yeah. spending forever doing all that work, it's really fast. Yeah, I think I was, I think I was also quite surprised that I sort of didn't... I was expecting, and I'm sure a lot of older World of Warcraft players will grumble, but I actually quite enjoyed... I wouldn't say the the new ra- not the new raids, but the Pandaria raids on LFR were difficult, uh, were easy. Sorry, but uh, they were kind of mm, I don't know, refreshing in a way. Mm-hmm. They were fun, at least. Yeah, like the Elegant fight in uh, Mukashan Vaults. Yeah. That's really fun. Yep. <laughs> Floor disappearing on you. <laughs> yeah, only three people died on that one. Only. And one of th- yeah, and, and one of the, and they that that wasn't me. I was actually quite surprised oh, I made it job. out of that fight. <laughs> Well, mostly because during, uh, I think it was one of the transition phases, it completely killed my frames per second. So I was kind of like juddering off that platform with, with it. I think it was it's four seconds you have to get off it or something. Yeah, no, it's anyways. pretty fast. You do do. And yeah, I did attention. the first part. I did the first part of Throne of Thunder before I went to bed last night, and that was pretty fun. And I didn't mm-hmm. die either. Actually, no wait. Yes, I did. I just reincarnated though and got back up. All right. Well, let's move on to the news then, hey? I'm wait, assuming... wait, wait. I had one little thing. Yeah? Okay. So you guys have been doing all this stuff now. BlizzCon's in two weeks. And I don't think we'll have a normal podcast because of, uh, uh, isn't, what's it called next? BlizzCon's next not in two weeks. When is BlizzCon? Yeah, it's in, four... it's in 14 days. Mm. 13. Hey, Chris. No. It's not yet. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Anna wants me to order the BlizzCon virtual ticket now. Oh, I was just going to add, because next, isn't next week, um, uh, what's it called? The 24-hour thing? Mm. Extra Life. Yes. 
Yeah, so I was thinking we don't have a normal podcast. So do you guys – okay, so now that you're – Well, we will have a podcast next week. Absolutely. Well, normal, regular podcast? Uh, yeah. Like, oh, well. We always I do it during ask. Extra Life. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any predictions? We just play games or? while we do it. I'm sorry. What is your question, Manny? Any predictions for the next WoW expansion? What does it go from here? Oh. I, I don't have know. no idea. I mean, it's it's. I think the Emerald Dream idea is dead, and that's not going to happen. So, I'm not sure what's left. I need Anna to help me. Well, you know what? They made up the Panda thing last time, so who knows? They'll just make something up this time. Do you think they won't announce a an expansion this year? I kind of think they might have to. Oh, I, they absolutely will announce an expansion. That I, I mean, feel cause, confident. Because 5.4 basically ends the Pandaria storyline. I don't think that's going to go any further. Ooh, what about the demonic homeworld? Oh, finally go after the demons? Mm-hmm. Take care of Sargeras? Well, considering they could, uh, yeah, I suppose they could, I don't know, up the level cap to either 95 or 99 or even 100 and finally, like, try and finish finish this off before whatever the hell their next M- big MMO project is. But Well, they trashed Titan and are redoing it, so they've got time. They've got time. You know, the reason why I'm a little skeptical, I wonder, is because Blizzard's not usually good at keeping secrets. Like, all the names usually leak at a, from trademarks well before, right? People start data mining patches and everything. And we're like two weeks out. No one even has like a guess at a name or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like Heart of the Storm, Heroes of the Storm was a. Here, what is it? <laughs> Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Swarm. Got it. Was leaked like several weeks before and like all this kind of stuff. Hearthstone was leaked several weeks before. Just like the trademark name at least. So I'm just wondering, how do they keep it so secret? And they're going to blow everyone's mind. Oh, well, just wondering. On to the news. Well, Anna, um, <laughs> update on the DirecTV BlizzCon situation. <laughs> They've put up their DirecTV slash BlizzCon page now, but it points to the 2011 page. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's progress. I'm really not sure. Oh, apparently they did copyright something. Oh, what is it? What is it? The Dark Below. The Dark Below? What Doesn't is that? that? It, honestly, to me, that sounds like a book. <laughs> it does. I thought it was just somebody, you know, cleaning oh, up the privies. Oh, they could be doing... They could be doing a uh, they could be doing a, bu- a book to f- um, tie off that loose end line from the unfinished Cataclysm story, the one underwater. Oh, Ashera. Well, they- there, there's, yeah. there's a bunch of things that never got tied up from Burning Crusade. Like, where the hell is Illyria and Turlin? Yeah, where are they? You don't even know who that is. I have no clue. <laughs> you know how um, you played Alliance, right? Yeah. So you know how there's like a, a an elf wandering around Honorhold with like really long blonde hair. Mm-hmm. He's actually a half high elf because <sighs> his mom's an elf and his dad's a human. But I mean, wouldn't that be an interesting? That could be just like the pandas, where someone who's a half elf would have a beginner quest and then either choose to be choose to embrace their blood elf heritage or choose to embrace their human heritage. Thus, would become Horde Alliance. Mm-hmm. 
Like no, the that's interesting. Totally. School. Okay, good. I I say more complicated stuff. I mean, does everything? Why not? Like you said, Chris. Like that's what happens. When you beat a boss. Obviously, he dies. You know, just <laughs> just change it up. It's been like a decade. Um, here's my question. Uh, do they have is is the last part of the of the garage stuff in the LFR system, Quinn? Yes, all okay. of it is. All right. It, it, I say they they did do a gradual opening like they usually do with most of the LFR stuff. But as far as I know, that if you uh, all of the sections are open on LFR, but you just have to do them in order. Okay. As in, you need the achievement from one to go into the next section, and it has four parts, I think. Yeah, Veil of Eternal Sorrows, then Gates Gates of Retribution, then the Underhold, and then Downfall. Uh, four nine six is the eye level requirement for all of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of bosses in that one. Okay. I think because uh, I, I, I seem to remember what they did was Dragon Soul was the first one they put LFR out on, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. And that was, I think it was four bosses per section. So the, the raid was basically split in two. Unless you did it as a standard 10 or 25 man group, in which case it was all one raid. But um, I think what they then did was for all of the Pandaria ones was they changed it so that all of the raids were split into three bosses per section. So uh, Throne of Thunder is uh, 12, 12? No, three, nine bosses, I think. And uh, Siege of Ogrimmar is 12 bosses. Okay. I'm, I'm, hmm. So I was just reading the WoW wiki. seems like the old below is the, is the big rumor for the next expansion that everyone's been hinting at. Hmm. Hmm. So that'll be oh. interesting. What about I? I don't know if you guys even care anymore, but the old Republic's new expansion is coming soon, right? The one with all the with the galactic combat and everything. Yeah. Nobody's interested. Trying it out. The it PvP out. stuff, you mean? Ship based p- PvP. Yes, big right. They're gonna have like basically the next, the closest thing you're gonna get to multiplayer X-wing versus Tie fighter at this point. I guess that proto X-wing got, versus wow. proto Tie fighter. That must that must that must be quite depressing for um you know fans of. I know. Uh, X-Men versus TIE Fighter. Take what you can get, right? Hmm. I guess hmm. not. I guess WoW's the only big the big thing that people really do care about what the next big expansion is, huh? Well, I guess. Oh, man. Alright, uh, right, give me that news. Huh? Illidan news? Storm Rage strong possibility of Illidan coming back because they need help. Wait, really? Oh, according to Chris Mahirasera, one of the most hinted ex- uh, and expansion ideas, blah, 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 Chris Metzen, Metzen hinting at in a conference call the next expansion we need Wait, Turlian and Alaria Windrunner's help and that the possibility of Illidan Storm Rage returning will be large. He said he loves a good redemption story. Hmm. But he's dead. Is he really dead, though? Illidan? Yeah, he's pretty dead dead. Are you sure? Really? The, um, weren't we there when he died? That's what he wanted you to think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Video That's what games. he wanted you to think. Video <laughs> games. You're right. What was I thinking? Hey, if 
if the arm of a if your dead clone brother can possess that was an can act. Possess the, can that, possess the son of the mother who trained you to be a thing and was your mentor. No, no, no. That was a, that was an act. He put an oh, act. Oh, of on. course. You know he pulled that out of his butt. And he said, How do we explain this? We can't. He was <laughs> acting the whole time. Full, <laughs> the ghosts of the Patriots who were the people who who trained your person who cloned you and were his support team and Metal Gear Solid 3, but then became digital ghosts in the walls of the White House. (laughs) I'm sensing some upsetness from you, Manny. (laughs) Okay. Metal Gear. So, Chris, what you got for me in the news today? Dude, I don't know. Um... Dude, you've been hanging out with me too much, dude. Dude. Bro. Dude. Bro. Can get you Chris, just if you stand- keep, Chris, if you keep saying dude, I'm going to think you're a printy. <laughs> dude. Dude. Do you want Just Dance 3 for the Wii for seven ninety nine? It's on sale at Best Buy. For the I what now? For the Wii. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think Chris is out of news today. No, I'm not out of news. I have a story. If you like the... If you've been looking forward to Blackguards which is a game that I don't remember at all. It's a turn-based PC RPG. It's going to be coming out in 2014. January of 2014. Yes, Blackguards. It's hex-based. It's turn-based. It's an RPG. I don't know anything about it. We got some screenshots up on the site. It looks like it could be a nice little tactical RPG. Maybe. That's all I know. We have a release date. January 2014. Look for more info on that on the site and um, in the future. (laughs) Nintendo of Europe talks about a limited edition for Bravely Default Flying Fairy. That's right. You lucky people in Europe where Nintendo actually cares about you will get access to a limited edition for Bravely Default. Uh, You get an Agnes figurine, a deluxe art book, 34 AR cards to use with your 3DS, and the original soundtrack CD. You can, uh, and if you pre-order, you get a little smaller art book with it. And it'll be out in Europe on December 6, 2013. Sometime in 2014 for us U.S. folks. And Canada folks. All right. Nobody cares about Bravely Default, huh? John, you going to play that? You going to skip it? Uh, maybe. All right. I still haven't gotten around to buying my 3DS yet. Ah, have you gotten around to pre-ordering a copy of the Tales of Symphonia Chronicles Collector's Edition? No. Well, you should because the release date in Europe is February 28th which is only three days later than the U.S. date of February 25th. You can uh, pre-order that thing, I assume, yeah, uh, third-party retailers and on the Namco Bandai store. It includes five chibi figurines, a novel based on both games, uh, which, of course, tells us Symphonia 1 and 2, and a soundtrack. And it looks pretty. No interest in that for you, John? Uh, well, no, I mean, I am probably going to get it. I just haven't pre-ordered it. Mm. Looks nice. Um, do we care about the Santa? The Tales of Symphonia Collector's Edition? Yeah. You said you didn't want a collector's edition of a re-release. I didn't? Oh, okay. ouch. Ouch. <laughs> ouch. Okay. Sounds good to me. You're so catty, Chris, honestly. <laughs> Atelier Escalogy. Escatology. Escalogy. Sorry. Um, that's what I'm calling it instead of Eska and Logi because uh, uh, Legendary Zoltan corrected us. Eschatology. 
Uh, Alchemist of the Dust Sky is coming March. It'll arrive in Europe on the 7th and the U- in North America on the 11th. It is the direct sequel to Atelier Aisha, The Alchemist of Dusk. So, if you've been looking for the sequel to Atelier Aisha, there you go. March, 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 March. Some sad news happening in March as well. Magic the Gathering Tactics will be shutting down. Oh. SOE says they've determined to discontinue game services with Wizards of the Coast. And, um... Wow, that didn't take long. Well, it's been going for a few years at least. 2011. Really? Hmm. A couple years. Yeah, it's still not exactly a long time. Yeah. Well, there's enough time for you to get back in there and play it. I mean, it's free to play. So if you've been missing it or want to try it out some, there's still time. 2014. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, Dragon's well. Crown. Oh, go ahead. I said, oh, well. Oh, well. All right. The ability to play between Vita and PS3 players on Dragon's Crown is now out in Europe. So if you're a European Dragon Crown player and you wanted to play with your Vita friends or your PS3 friends, depending on which version you have, you can do it. No one cares. All right. Guild Wars 2 has a Halloween event. Cricket. Cricket. It's called Tower of Nightmares. Cricket. Guild Wars Cricket. 2 has a, has, a, has a limited time event. Um, <laughs> they, they always do. I, I was going to say, I thought all of Guild Wars 2's additional content was limited time events. <laughs> well, they got one for Halloween, and it's going on now. So. Hey, Quinn, would you say that your interest in this game was a limited time event? No. So they, they've got a current one that started the 15th, and then the second one, the third one, excuse me, is on the, on the 29th. So there's Guild Wars 2. Lightning Returns Final Fantasy XIII is about 50 hours long, which came from uh, Yuji Abe, uh, director. That's a big thing for a side sequel. I mean, aren't they always? Sure. Aren't no, they no. Always wasn't 10-2 shorter than the, the main 10? I don't know. I guess so. Maybe. I never finished it. Uh, let's see. I already got that one. RuneScape Old School. What is RuneScape Old School? I don't know what it is. But RuneScape Old School, it's a thing. And it is a... Oh, Jagex released it. It's a retro version of the browser-based role-playing game that brought back the title as it existed in August 2007. So, okay. So it's a re-release of the 2007 game, essentially. All right. They hit 1 million users. And they're adding um, God Wars Dungeon. Whatever that is. Um, I guess it was something that was in the original one. So RuneScape is back and apparently really popular. Anyone played RuneScape at all? Does anyone care about RuneScape? One uh, million users. Runesca- RuneScape old school is the old version, which implies there's a new version? I think there I- is. Okay. What's RuneScape? I'm going to go to RuneScape. RuneScape.com. Oh, RuneScape 3. They're on the third version then. Play now. I don't want to play now. I have to install stuff to play. I don't know anything about RuneScape. So, old RuneScape is back. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, oh, Noodle says it was her first MMO. So, she's very excited about this. So, she's going to go play it. How to sign up now for EverQuest Next betas. So, check this out. You can go sign up for the betas for EverQuest Next and EverQuest Next Landmark. So, yeah. Um, EverQuest Next, you remember, is that really cool looking uh, next-gen EverQuest game. And then Landmark is the build things that will be in the world game. So there you go. I'm applying for a beta right now. You are already signed up. Oh, okay. So I'm already signed up. 
I don't have a beta key, so I can't use that. All right, so I'm already signed up. So you can go sign up at everquestnext.com slash beta-registration. I'm concerned if I sign up, I'll get it before you, and then you'll just be pouting no, you at me. Can, no, that's fine. Go do it. You're good. Mm, I don't know. Okay, well, whatever. Hyperdimension Neptunia PP, whatever that means, is coming to... It's a tentative title. Okay, I hope so. It's coming to North America and Europe next year, and it is... What is it? It is a simulation rhythm game? Oh, it's an idol manager game. I'm sorry, this doesn't need to be in our news, but it's apparently Hyperdimension Neptunia has an idol master ripoff side... Uh, yeah, we're game. not covering this, No, we're not going to cover it, but it's Hyperdimension but Neptunia related. So. No, you know, we should cover it. Out is uh, me in that column, so if anybody wants to write about it, hmm. I'm not going to write Also, just so it. you know, Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 2 is a remake of Mark II, and it's in development for the Vita. I'm surprised this ser- this uh, series keeps getting releases. <laughs> I just can't yeah, imagine. that story, that's an RPG. It tells well. Apparently. Ragnarok Odyssey Ace is launching on PS3 and Vita next year. It is an expanded edition of Ragnarok Odyssey, um, and so it'll be out sometime in 2014. PS3 and Vita, and it'll be 40 bucks. Uh, anyone missed Ragnarok Odyssey and wanted to check it out? Um, you get this other chance here. Is anyone going to jump on that? I had this kind of sneaking suspicion I should play my copy of Ragnarok Odyssey. Well, or you could just wait for this. Uh, well, yeah, because I do actually own a copy of Ragnarok Odyssey. Well, then you can import your save data into this. Oh, can you? Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You can import their character data and DLC to Ace. The only thing that won't transfer is character cards that have been equipped to pieces of clothing or were acquired through the Vita's near feature. So there you go. Uh, has new content, trophies, quest items, and skills, as well as an additional dungeon, the 100th floor Tower of Yggdrasil, and it will receive game patches that launched in Japan, including patch 110, which hits this week, uh, which adds daily quests and stuff. So yeah, lots of stuff. Uh, it sounds like the version to get if you want to play that game. Okay, so if you wanted to jump into EVE Online, and you've been waiting 10 years because, you know, it's a 10-year-old game, do they have a collector's edition set for you? That's what you've been waiting for. You're like, I need, when I buy a new game, I need a collector's edition. Finally, EVE's got you set. So check this out. For $149.99, you will get... A four-port USB hub based on the EVE Online shift, ship Rifter. A 190-page book called Into the Second Decade, chronicling the game and its 20 expansions. Um, an English translation of the Icelandic board game called The Danger Game, which CCP created in 1998, and proceeds of which funded EVE's early development. You also get a CD with a live performance of the EVE Online soundtrack by the Icelandic Symphony Orchestra. A CCP mystery code, which gives, which, quote, grants owners exclusive benefits related to current and yet-to-be-revealed CCP products and events. And you get in-game items for EVE Online and Dust 514. So, if you're really into EVE, this sounds like a good set for you. Oh, yeah. I like that instead of, you know, just being a statue for your desk, it's a USB hub. Yeah, it's actually useful. It's functional. That's cool. Um... Yeah, all right. I, I kind of want this, but not for $150. Um, you know, I think I, fan, then. I think if I, I had, I think if I had continued playing Eve, I would have been interested in it, but I don't. I'm interested just, in, like, the, the, the Symphony disc. I just want to listen to it once, and then um, maybe the book. Yeah. 
Uh, this next story I bookmarked here for my benefit, not for the show. Super Castlevania 4 is going to the Wii U on Halloween. Never mind. All right. And finally, most important story of the week, Pokemon X and Y save bug patch has been released. Except it might delete your save. What? What? So there have been scatter. So basically, if your um, save is completely bugged, you can download this patch and it should fix it. If you save isn't bugged and you're just interested in making sure it never does, you can download this patch. Unfortunately, there have been scattered reports around the internet that after downloading the patch, people don't have a save at all. No! No, Nintendo! No! <laughs> That's no good. Oh. Um, you get the patch by logging into the eShop, I think, right? You just open the eShop and it'll detect that you have the game and stuff. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, so whatever. And that's all I know. That's it, man. You didn't get all the good stories. Oh, tell me the good stories. Well, first, uh, there was an Apple Keynote on Tuesday. Anything well, that's not RPG-related. Sure okay, Apple announced um, an updated iPad that uses the A7 chip that's also in the phone, so it's nice and fast. And it's lighter. They shave, like, um, a lot of weight off the thing, like 0.4 pounds off it, bringing it from 1.4 pounds down to one pound, and it's called the iPad Air. And they also announced that the iPad Mini is being updated to have the exact same specs as the main iPad, which is what I'm most excited for. I now want an iPad Mini. Like, cool, cool. hardcore, man. So, Oh, but you better get on that, because yeah. the supply's going to be very constrained. Well, it's not even for sale yet. Yeah, until 2014. Have you noticed they didn't give it an exact date? Some people are projecting like 2 million, around 2 million for the holiday season. That's nothing. Yeah. It's coming later in November. So the iPad Air comes out November 1st. The iPad Mini with Retina is later in November. We don't know when. And you can't like pre-order anything. Like eventually one day it'll just be available for order and showing up in stores. Yay. So cool, if you cool. you want to wait in line, go wait in line for an iPad Air. So I I like this lightweight stuff because I find the iPad to be too heavy for my um, <laughs> repetitive strain injury riddled hands. So um, I'm going all the way to the mini. That's going to be fun. But I don't know when I'm going to get it because I don't have money for it. So the question that Anna and I have been trying to figure out, do we get the PS4 or an iPad mini? You know, the funny thing is I was thinking about this too, and that's why I, th- I think it comes relevant to gaming because I'm... Like my willingness to drop like five hundred dollars on an iPad Retina Mini is like, I there's almost no hesitation versus my my desire to drop the same exact money or even less on a PlayStation Four or an Xbox Three uh, Xbox One is almost non-existent. And well, I'm the, wondering myself. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing for me is I already have an iPad. I have the iPhone Five S. Do I really need? Is the Mini going to be that important to my gaming or consumption versus a PS Four? You know, the funny thing is I'm in the opposite thing where I'm thinking, I use this thing, this iPad mini, every single day. Mm-hmm. So if I can have a better one with that, that's easier to read on, it's nicer experience to read comics, check out the internet, read my gaming news or whatever, and use that every single day versus a PS4 or an Xbox One, which I probably won't use for like the first several months, four months at all, until games come out. I, I just think I'm more willing to spend the money out where where you where I use it the most. 
The iPad Mini is closer to the bright size for the Star Trek datapad, so there's that too. Oh, uh, Costume Quest is on sale on iOS until Halloween. Ooh, so go you can pick get that the up. Game. You can get that game with its DLC for $4 total. Ooh, that is so worth it if you haven't played Costume Quest. Though I still think I'd rather have buttons, but I guess it doesn't matter that much. All right. Ooh, I maybe wanted to play that on the iPad. Well, you, you haven't you beaten it? Yeah. And do, did you beat the DLC? No. Well, why not? I have it. I, I think I went back home. Oh, well, you should do that. Yeah, and I'll then, do it on the iPad. No, we already own it. No mm. buying games we already own in better versions. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. We this is how this we th- save up for an iPad, Anna. These $4 <laughs> add up. <laughs> All right. What, what Did you hear that the, place, the PS4 controller no longer has analog buttons? No, I didn't hear that. Apparently they dropped it, and Sony said it's due to a lack of interest. Yeah, no kidding. Like, did anything use them? Uh, I think Metal Gear did, Metal Gear Solid 2. I think that was the first thing I remembered having. Happened, yeah, if you press it. the button down a little bit, he would raise the gun a little bit. If you press it down hard, he would raise it all the way up. Mm. And like yeah, GTA really... might have, or GTA, um, Gran, Turismo Gran Turismo may have used it. Yeah. Yeah. So it always felt weird because I felt like the distance between all the way pressed and just halfway pressed wasn't wasn't big enough. Yeah. So. Hmm. Oh, um, Night to the Old Republic on iOS again, five dollars. And I mean, everyone saying that is the way to play the game now because the P- oh, the it's on sale. Game. You mean? Again, yeah, for five dollars. Sweet, go do that. Have you picked it up yet? Um, I yeah, I bought it the first time around. First time it was five dollars. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, Witcher series reaches six million unit sales. That's pretty good. And what else we got? Just looking through my little list I had here. I showed you about that. You want a Garrison Tali hoodie? Nah, you don't care about that. No, I don't. <laughs> I always wonder about the people who buy those and walk around. Um, finally, I think that's it. It's quick little updates. Wow, that's oh, really cool. bad. I'm finding this Garrus hoodie stuff. It's ugly, isn't it? Is this the real thing or is this a... No, that's the real thing. That thing is hideous. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all we got for news. I do want to plug some reviews we got up on the site right now. Um, we have four reviews that went up this week. First off, we have the review for Inazuma 11.3 by Mr. Alex Fuller. We have a review up of Rune Factory 4 by Sam Marcello. Pokemon Y by Adrian Donauden. And, of course, Final Fantasy XIV. We finally got a review in from Michael Cunningham. Hint, he likes it. So you can go read all those right now. And uh, comment in the threads where we always like to have interesting conversations about how much you disagree with the score. No, keep it, keep it uplifting. Keep it uh, not uplifting, but if you disagree, have a good disagreement rather than just a pot shots. All right. Did you know that a, a composer from World of Warcraft has formed a video game tribute band called? Yeah, uh... yeah he knew about it six months ago when I did their social media calendar. Oh. What do you think of the music, Anna? I've heard like one track. Okay. So very diplomatic. I, I didn't remember that I knew about this actually. I did read the story, Manny. Yeah, the guy's like, piano squall. No, it isn't. 
Yeah, that's the guy that put the whole thing together. No, this is like lead composer on World of Warcraft. Yes, and the guy who put the band together is Piano Squall. Oh, now I understand. Okay. Yes. So they're just using the the WoW guy's name for publicity purposes. Apparently. Okay. I mean, it's also got like a bunch of girls that um, play for Cirque du Soleil, Michael Jackson, and um, like basically everybody that's in a major scene. How did he put all this together? Yeah, I don't know. He just, that's awesome. He's yeah, cool. it's it's a really really neat. I'm more interested now that I know it's the Piano Squall project, actually. So cool. Um, what's it called? Yeah. Critical something. Control. Critical hits, right? Yeah, critical hits. I yeah. think they're going to be playing at BlizzCon. Cool. That'd be awesome. Not, I don't think they're going to be the closing act. I don't think they're that big, but whatever. Um, the Tauren chieftains, I think, have to be the closing act. No, they usually open. Anna. Oh, my bad. They usually open for people, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne, you know, oh, for fine. example. <laughs> or wait, who do they have? They had Ozzy Osbourne. They had uh, Jack Black one year. <laughs> oh, no, Tenacious D. Tenacious D, yeah. And uh, finally, the, the Foo Fighters. That's mm-hmm. why they have the Tenacious Defender in the game. Oh. It's a belt. Uh, Critical Hits is actually pre-orderable now at criticalhitband.com. Um, it says it's headed by Jason Hayes, so that's weird if this Piano Squall guy actually got it together. Why does it say it's headed by Jason Hayes? Because it's easy to put his name out there. People okay. know World of Warcraft more than they know Piano Squall. What's the, what's Piano, oh, it's Michael something, right? Yeah. I'm Remember he for, texted you very confused. I know, I know. I'm looking for him in the band listing, but I don't see him showing up yet. Man, they got a lot of people in this band. Okay, well, that's that's all we got for news, so I'm going to start plugging what we're going to be doing next week. Next week, RP Gamer is doing our annual effort to to help, you know, do something for people. You know, we play all these games, we spend a lot of times on our own, we're RP Gamers, it's kind of what we do. You know, that's okay, because this is the one time of the year where we get to reach out and help people in our communities. So I'm helping a, a hospital here in Wisconsin called Gunderson Memorial um there's anna who are you playing for uh it's my last year playing for bc children's hospital BC children's hospital we got people playing for all sorts of hospitals across the across the country and, and across two countries actually and we'd like you to help us get money and funds to help improve the quality of care for children in these hospitals um we have you can help heal kids uh, this started um Sarcastic Gamer guys started this when, you know, a, a friend in there lost their lives to cancer. Uh, it was She was a kid, and they wanted to do something to help fight cancer. And, you know, they started doing it with Texas uh, Children's down in Texas, of course. Um, and then it, it blew up. Everyone wanted to start helping and jumping on board, and they wanted to help the hospitals in their area. So that's what we can do. So you can go to RP Gamer's homepage. You click the button that says Extra Life up there, and we've got links on there to our donation pages where you can help sponsor us as we play video games for 25 hours straight. Not 24 hours straight, 25 hours straight because of the time change. You can help us play, help us by donating, and then we'll play the games for a, a full day next week, October, excuse me, November 2nd, and you will be entered in a drawing for prizes. We're partnering up with psnation.org again. We got a whole big list of prizes that you can go check out. Um, I've got that linked on the, on the article there, too. Uh, talking big prizes, guys. Big prizes. Things like uh, Elgato Game Captures, PlayStation 3s, um, Killzone Mercenary for the Vita, um, 
Elder Scrolls Anthology PC copy signed by Todd Howard. Uh, <laughs> Journey art books, God of War art books, years of PlayStation Plus. We got Atelier Maruru edition figures. We got Disgaea D2 copies in there. More, um, it sounds like we've got more RPG related stuff to be added to the list. Unfortunately, the people who've committed that haven't really gotten the details on that over to us. They've just said that they would give us something. So we're hoping to sort all that out this week. Um, it, you know, it doesn't matter so much that the prize list is uh, set ahead of time, guys, because we'll, you know, we do the drawing after the after the event. So you know, we'll add prizes in there and we'll be giving them out. So if you want to get in there? It starts at ten bucks. So ten bucks gets you a ticket into the drawing. When you are entering your donation, make sure there's a field where you can submit your email address and say who this donation is from. Make sure you put your email address in there. If you did not put it in there, email me at podcaster@pgamer.com and tell me so that I can link it up after the fact. Otherwise, if I don't have a record of your email address with your donation, you will not be entered in the drawing. Very important to remember. Okay, so why are we doing this? We're doing this to heal kids. When are we doing it? Next week. You can help us by donating. You can help us by cheering us on. You can help us by going to the thread linked on that Extra Life um, story that I've got up there. You can click the RP Gamer Message Forums link and tell us what games you'd like to see us play. Um, this week, I'll be putting together a list and schedule of what games I'll be playing um, throughout the event, um, and I would really like to have some feedback. Um, do you want to see me play more Panzer Dragoon Saga? Uh, do you want to see me play more Dark Souls? Uh, you know, you have to die in Dark Souls at least once. I, 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 I know. Um, it's a tradition. I will say that I'm skewed towards PS3 games this year because of our streaming setup. Those will be the easiest things for me to put on the stream. However, um, we'll, we can try and make anything happen. So I just need. So to we're not going to play some Forza Horizon finally. Oh no, we can do that. That's easy too because that's HDMI. Right, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've been saying, Chris, compete against my scores. Let's race together. Let's yeah, you're right. To I, I, I guess what I meant to say is I'm I'm skewed towards consoles this year. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, we can we can make PC stuff happen too. Saturn will be a little bit harder, but I think we can make it happen. But yeah, because I'll probably just play it on an emulator. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. Um, yeah. So go, please donate. Please donate. We are very far from our goal. RP Gamer is at, has a goal of 5,000. We are at 2,000 of that. We've come very far since last week. Thank you so much. Donations have just been coming in and coming in and coming in, but we've still got a long way to go in the next week. So please go and donate. I want to get to my $1,000 goal. Anna wants to get to her goal. and Sam wants to get to her goal. Just pick someone. It doesn't matter who. Um, your donation is super appreciated. You're helping kids and you pick some maybe with a hospital in your area or um, with you know someplace where you know kids who are sick that you're, you're giving that money to and you're helping them out. Just, just pick someone, help us get to our goal, and thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for the $2,000 you've donated all, already. You're helping make a difference in kids' lives. You are. And you should feel very appreciated for that because we really do. Um, and one quick thing. If... It ever felt like I was saying to donate me and only me on the team, then I apologize. That wasn't my intention. No, I like it. You're giving out prizes, so you should you donate, should beat donate me this to year. me instead of Chris, but don't not donate to the other people on the team because they're awesome. And if they beat Chris, <laughs> that's good too. Yes. Um, so Anna's got a few extra prizes, but think about what what sort of prizes you're signing up for. Probably social games. Who wants those? You want to just donate to Chris because then I. Give you a shout out on the podcast or something. No, I don't oh, know, dude. Just don't. We ideas, really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll, go ahead. I was wondering if you guys have ideas for games. If you wanted to play with us, you totally could. Because yes. even if we're not directly on a team, we'll be playing along with everybody just sort of keep them company. Mm-hmm. So maybe 
suggest some games that are big and multiplayer that we could all play together too and you can maybe jump in we'll rotate you in and out yeah that's what i'm hoping for yeah um, we're hoping to do a couple of diablo sessions if nothing else oh yeah good idea so that'll be a section on the pc for sure cool noodle will be playing a lot of final fantasy 14 um so she'll be doing that um the on the second um basically the place to gather would be the rp gamer chat room which is pound rp gamer on esper.net that is the place to be. Uh, we'll also probably be monitoring the Twitch chat room. And uh, those two places are where you want to hang out. That's where we'll be talking about what we're playing and responding to people who are talking to us. Um, yeah. So so just keep an eye on those. And uh, that's where you join in on the on the day's festivities. We're going from 8 to 8. So we need you. We need people there all around the clock because I tell yeah, you, especially six if in the you're morning. European, yeah, please, please, please come see us at three a.m. Central because we need the support. We really do. Um, and the more you tell us to do, the better because if we're just playing, it's it's easier to fall asleep. Whereas if you're being told, no, do this now, do this now, like, oh, okay. And that, that really makes a big difference. Anyway, thank you for anything you can do, whether it be watching, whether it be donating, or just cheering us on on Twitter. Thank you so much. Extra Life is an awesome thing. We're privileged to be able to, to raise money for these kids and to be part of it, you know, by playing games. You know, that's awesome. Please donate, and we will see you next week. Um, with that, thank you, everybody. Um, RP Gamer RPG Cast is out. Um, see you next time, everybody. It'll be Bye, Extra Life. Yay, Extra Life. Woo-hoo. Bye. I'm Batman. Bye-bye. Come see my origins. Yes. I'm Batman. Bye.